right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Thursday. Uh, if you're watching on CBS Sports HQ, hopefully you are, you're streaming that. Uh, you might be listening to the podcast, which is great as well. But you may have noticed that we didn't do our At This Hour, which is our read where we kind of give the latest updates from overnight. Right. Do you think it has to do with your little audition the other day when you were reading them? I don't, I don't know. I was just wondering that out loud. That's like, I'm not complaining because right, I'm not any right. good at them either. Right. Well, I'd rather just us hang out and just talk as opposed yeah. to us playing the role of Ron Burgundy, Anchorman. Yeah, me to too. Be yeah. An I thought I was excellent though. I did too. Exposure, I thought but I was. I think maybe it's a little higher up than that. I don't All think right. it, I don't think it was your direct. You know, audition that you did there, your your impression of an anchorman yeah, the other day. I mean, I like I, I actually not. reviewed it. I broke the tape down. <laughs> I know, right? Flexion was good. Like pronunciation was on point. I really felt strong about it. I bet you did. Uh, uh, Tiger Woods is out on the course ain't at the Northern Trust. It. No, we're gonna get to that a little bit later in the show. Um, you've got Kenny Stills, Miami Dolphins receiver, calling out his owner. That's pretty rare, yep. calling out your boss the way he has. And Adam Gase, there is a piece on him which gives you a glimpse inside the mind. Of one NFL coach, I do think it's interesting because I think it's a it's a way of thinking that we've seen some coaches take, and I don't know if it works. So we'll break right. down that a little bit later in the show. But to where I want to start is with Kevin Durant. So we haven't talked about Kevin Durant in a while. It's been pretty quiet. Um, but he has gone on the record. He talked to Yahoo Sports, and he opened up a lot about some of the things I was really curious to hear about sure. from him. Uh, is he ticked off at the Warriors? Is he mad at his ex-teammates? Was it um, a bad split when he signed with the Nets and decided to leave town and opt out? He answered some of those questions. Let's start with the Achilles injury. Yeah. When he comes back in the NBA Finals against Toronto, plays 12 minutes, re-injures it, done for the year. There was some speculation. Maybe he's mad at the medical staff. Should he blame them? Should he blame anybody? His quote, hell No. How can you blame the Warriors? Hell no. I heard the Warriors pressured me into getting back. Nobody never said a word to me during rehab. As I was coming back, it was only me and my trainer working out every day. Right when the series started, I targeted game five. Hell no. It just happened. It's basketball. Bleep happens. Nobody was responsible for it. It was just a game. We just need to move on from that bleep because I'm going to be back playing. Shout out Rick Celebrini, his trainer. Oh, you know, um, you know Rick? I know Rick, Steve nice. Nash's guy. Good dude. Uh, now, is that his personal trainer or is that a Warriors trainer? Is that his personal trainer? Who? Rick Celebrini. Is it, is it KD's personal guy? Yeah. At this point, it probably is. Right. Uh, so I was, my like, is he on the Warriors staff? I don't know because, right. you know, Steve had a, he was some sort of, um, 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 like, Personal guru guy? At Steve's, but Steve had some role with the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if Rick caught on with the Golden State Warriors because Steve introduced him to the Golden State Warriors or not. Like, you know what I mean? But I think it's probably Katie. So he is, so Koga just told me, he is the director of sports medicine for the Warriors. Right. So he is a part of the staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He started as, as Steve Nash's guy, like in NBA circles. But, uh, this is, this is, uh, you know, I was interested in this too, and I've often said that I felt like there had to be something more going on there that maybe he felt pressured. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that he didn't feel any pressure coming back. Like it doesn't, doesn't take away from the fact that you got injured and you still got to miss another year, but that's it, it. You don't like, that's a whole nother, uh, layered, uh, a situation when you start dealing with a team being accused by a player of pressuring him to come back. You know what I mean? And then you don't, that's a black eye for, you know, the NBA, the Golden State Warriors when, when that's the case. So I, I actually, you know, was happy to hear that Kevin Durant felt no pressure and that this was by his own volition. And he and Rick felt like, you know, he was able to come back. And sometimes you miss as a player, 
you know, especially with ligaments or, or muscles that are strained, um, you feel good. You feel like you can do certain things. Um, and while you're in this scripted environment of shooting jumpers and going to touch this line and running back over there, you can kind of compensate and protect that muscle. And it would kind of trick you at times into going out there and thinking that off script and spontaneous movements wouldn't further hurt it. Unfortunately, like those are the things that you can't protect it against. And you, you typically, if you're not ready, wind up hurting it again. So I am really glad Kevin Durant came out and said this. I think it would have been really easy to be vague to say, well, I don't want to blame anybody, yeah. but you never know. I mean, he was definitive saying, yep. no, there's nobody to blame. I've actually, I think this is really good for Kevin Durant's image. Um, you know, like, first of all, I love the fact that he was willing to put his body on the line and yep. he did come. Cause I was, that's what I like before that game, I was right here saying, you got to come back. If there's any chance you can go, you got to put it on the line for your teammates. Ball game. Ball game. <laughs> no, but that's, but Ball that was my game. mindset. Like yes. that's what I would have done. And I probably go back. There was one of the biggest mistakes I made. And it was regular season was I came back too soon from a back injury yeah. and I threw three picks. I didn't practice all week, but I was like, I want to be tough. I want my teammates yeah. to see that I'm not, you know, a wuss. I go out there and play through pain. I had an awful game and it really, all of a sudden, like the fans, the coaches, they looked at me differently because I had this bad game. Right. It was like a concern. And then it started, my confidence started to waver because I had, and I, if I had just set out that game, maybe gotten fully recovered, yeah. maybe I wouldn't have had that one and it kind of could have gone a different direction. Who knows? Man, I was just bad. Butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do think, like, I appreciate that. And I do think fans, because he's taken a lot of criticism from there. He has a lot of haters and he's obviously yeah. well aware of them. We'll appreciate that. Hey, he was willing to come out there. And even now, like if you would have asked me two years ago when Kevin Durant is addressing all his haters and he's coming up, I would have said, you know what? He probably would make an excuse, but now he's showing me a different side saying no excuses. I'm coming back. I'm going to do the work and I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm just going to come back. It is what it is, which I can appreciate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, again, Anyone who was questioning Kevin Durant's like toughness or willingness to go out there and do whatever he could for his team to win a championship, then you didn't really know Kevin Durant. Like you haven't been watching him play since he came into the league. I don't, I don't know that that was ever anything that should have been questioned. Like you could question whether he should be on social media as much as he is, right. or whether, you know, he should, you know, uh, um, honor some of these trolls that are that are trolling him with with his with with, with his retort like that those are conversations we can have but whether he's an apex like competitor and and willing to do whatever he needs to do to try to win i don't know that that was ever a debatable thing so i i mean while i understand what you're saying in terms of public perception for those people who may have doubted him it might be a good look for those who knew this didn't do anything because they already knew like he was you don't reach that level of stardom that level of of uh, accomplishment by being a dude who's going to sit out whenever he can or when right. it's convenient. You know what I mean? You are a competitor um, uh, uh, to the likes of which, you know, very few people have ever been. Like, in any sport. Like, you're talking about one of the most gifted scorers and, and basketball players of all time he will go down as, right? Like, he – for what he's – let's say he never even comes back to himself. Right. Say, still, from what you saw of a dude that size – the skill set he had, the fluidity he played with, he will always be remembered like as as one of the most gifted players. You, you don't do that by being a soft cat who won't play through stuff. So while I do agree with you, like shame on anyone who thought that he wasn't like tough enough and wouldn't give it his all, given the opportunity to win a championship. But he does have his haters, and that's kind of what he I was does. alluding to. Like, no. and, it, and he's in an awkward spot because he is kind of the second fiddle to LeBron. Even though this past year, I mean, LeBron was hurt, but it looked like hey, he was starting to get some more recognition as the best player in the world. I, he does, 
There have been some things that I think that he's mishandled publicly, like, you know, the way he does things on social media, getting busted with the burner account, right. but those things. So I do think all of this, the way he's handling it so far is a great step in the right direction of, hey, maybe winning over some of those people like me who looked at him and not a second guesser of his, his ability, just kind of what he stood for and his public image. I thought he could use something like this and maybe adversity brings out the best in him where I think he's handling this really well. A lot of speculation about him had been, how is he getting along with the Warriors? Right. Of course, you had Draymond suspended because of their beef earlier in the season. Um, there's always been, well, is he really part of this team? Kevin Durant, when he talked to the media a couple times, he said, you guys are trying to tear us apart. When they asked him, a, like, there was a question, I don't even remember it. They said, what about the team? And they almost asked Kevin Durant like he wasn't on the team. And right. Durant noticed it. He was like, what do you mean the team? I'm yeah, a part of the right, team. Right. It's us. It's right. not them. Um, so he, he actually opened up about this supposed beef. And he said, yeah, I'm tired of talking about that bleep. Look, we're grown men. We understand what it is. We're playing basketball for a living. It's business. Everybody congratulated me when I went to the Nets. Everybody wished me well. And they know that I'm still a phone call away. So I just happen to play in a different jersey now. Nothing else is going to change. Do you believe him on this one? Um, I think there might be more to this one. Um, me too. You know, I, again, this is one of those where I think he played it correctly. Like to your point about the, 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 the previous statement, I think this was well put. And what you need to say, um, you know, relationships are never black and white. Even, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. just not. And that's what you develop in locker rooms. Like, you have relationships with guys. Like, there are degrees of relationships. Like, one guy might be tighter with you than others. But, you know, these are relationships. And they're, they're fluid. You know, and conver- they're, they're fluid things. Like, some days they're good. Some days they're bad. Like, you guys make up. Like, you're tighter than you were before. It's just like any relationship you have. So, to think that it's all good and no one has any beef with that, I would I wouldn't, I would be reluctant to say that. You know what I mean? But most guys do understand, like, this is a business. This is, you know, we have a small amount of time to to, you know, maximize whatever we want to maximize, whether it's money, whether it's, um, you know, playing in certain markets, whether, you know, it's just, you know, generally enjoying the heck out of your career. And you don't begrudge each other that for the most part, you know, you could still be a little disappointed and salty that, that your reign as a super team has come to an end and, and feel happy for a guy for going to do what makes him happy. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, for relationships sure. are, are complicated like that. I think different teams are different personalities too. Yeah. Um, you know, some teams are really tight knit. There's a family there. You know, maybe Steph has that with Clay, the Splash Brothers. Maybe they have it with Draymond. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of that ones. I don't think Kevin Durant and them were really, you know, like a team, I'll give you an example. It felt like really like a family was the Heat when they had LeBron, D Wade, Bosch, and Birdman, the role yeah. players. Remember them? They're doing the, uh, the Harlem Shake and they're making videos and, they just had a chemistry where it felt like, man, this team feels like a family. Right. And that's that's probably your optimal situation that you would love to have. And it doesn't mean that you have to have it. But I don't view this Warriors team with or without Kevin Durant that way. Yeah. You know? And maybe, maybe they are. Maybe Kevin Durant. But I, don't, I absolutely don't think Kevin Durant was that chummy with the rest of the guys in that well, locker room. That, now, they're good and they're, and they're okay with each other. Right. There's not a beef, but I just don't think it was... Oh, this family type environment. Yeah, that's a difficult one because you had had a core together for years prior to him getting there. So, yeah, that's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward, right? Like you could be in the circle, but you might not be in the smaller circle. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you're in the general circle of friends, like, but there's a smaller circle of friends that sometimes you might not make it into because you just got here. It's a weird, that's a, that's a weird one. And so, you know, you, you feel that like, man, am I, I know they're cool with me, but are they all like, are we right? Are we family, family, or are we just family? <laughs> like, do you know? And so 
there could be something to be said for that. Um, you know, but I, I think Kevin Durant always knew, and most people in Golden State probably felt, and that's why there was a little bit of, 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 you know, uh, I don't know, discord there last year that that this was going to be a stop for him, that this wasn't going to wind up being home for him. Do you know what I mean? Like he was coming in, he was trying to achieve, you know, achieve an objective. Uh, and then he was going to be, you know, moving on to whatever was next for him. Do you feel bad for KD? Because, you know, his initial post on Instagram right after he had the surgery to fix his Achilles was, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back and better than ever. Uh, in this article, this piece with Yahoo Sports, he said, I'm just going to keep betting, uh, getting better. I'll be back playing at a high level. There's nothing for me to worry about. Like he's, he's optimistic as you get. Yeah. But man, there's a part of me that just says, I don't, you're, you're still early in this. And it, I would never, you'd never say this to his face. Like if you're in his team, you're encouraging, encouraging. Sure. But there's a part of me that says, man, does he aware of the reality of the situation, which is you're probably not going to be the same player. Uh, and I hope he proves us. I hope he proves all of us wrong who think that. Well, but, he'll, I, 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 I mean, look, he can still be really, really good. Right. And he said, I'll be back playing at a super high level. Like I, I tend to agree with that. You will be, but you never get it all back when you come off of Achilles. You just don't. Like and I've said this, I'm not, this isn't a knock on Kevin Durant. This isn't a, a, a fact about Achilles injuries. Like you don't come back as the same player. You don't have the same type of lift. You don't have the same type of explosion. So, you know, he's so gifted that he could still come back at 85% of himself and be one of the best players on the planet, maybe the best player on the planet, but you ain't never going to be yourself again. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's wrapped his mind around that. Right. And what happens with injuries is like when you come out of a, like a major injury, I only really had one. It was, I had like a scaphalunate, but I was casted for like, you know, six weeks and it was a whole year worth of recovery. The, it was just, it was nasty. You come out. Right after po like post surgery, man, you're gung ho. You're fired up. You're ready to get into this, man. Get this thing off. Like, let's get to work. Like, you know, you're, you, you see some results really quickly, um, because it's atrophied and stuff to a point where it doesn't even look like a hand. And now you can move it again. And you're like, oh man, this is going to be a breeze. I'm going to get after it. And then you're like a month into rehab and you've kind of plateaued and stuff is tough. And they're the dog days of your rehab and you're not seeing the gains anymore and you're like, oh, I'm still way far away from being where I need to be. Then reality starts to sink in. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, shoot, I got, <laughs> we got a problem. This is going to be more than I thought it was. And so I imagine somewhere in there where you have to recalibrate because you do, like you've pushed through this. Now you're at a point where you're like, am I ever going to be back? Like, I don't see, I don't see it. Like I'm not responding. You have to recommit yourself in the middle of rehab to the last part of your rehab, like that second half. All right, dude, I'm all in. I'm going after this. I can be back. But you got to come to the realization at that point that this might not look like it was going to look, but I'm going after it anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm in. Let's right. go. Let's go. Um, when he gets to that point and he's, he's fresh off of it. This is a honeymoon phase. Oh, absolutely. So to speak, you yeah. know, in the middle of that, talk to him like three months from now, like when he's grinding and he knows he's still a long way away. And then, you know, he's had a little setback with it. You know, that's when the, the stuff starts sinking in. It's sort of like, you know, if you experience a death in the family and right after the funeral, like everybody's there for you. Yeah. They're all supporting you. Right. And then like the further removed you are of that, you're kind of like, man, I lost something really. You know, like that's probably a realization, Kevin Durant. I lost this level of play. Yeah. Maybe I don't get that back. And you could still cope and you still deal and move yep. on and you can still be great. But I think that is going to be a tough moment when he's kind of deep in that rehab process. Um, somebody, somebody who might be able to relate to what Kevin Durant is going through is Tiger Woods. Uh, has dealt with a lot of injuries yeah. um, that he's had to come back from. He comes back, gets the Masters. 
He's been up and down since then, and now it's more down for Tiger. Right. I was really concerned about this round specifically when I heard yesterday at his practice round that he did not use the driver the entire hey. nine holes. It wasn't even 18 holes. He only hit driver like the first three holes and then put it in the bag and was like, let me use my irons. He is struggling in a big way. Uh, he was at four over, but he just birdied um, number one. He started on the back nine, so he's three over. So he's getting back on track a little bit. But with this field being the playoffs, tougher field, I don't know. My The bar is really low. I don't think he makes the cut. And it's probably better for him just to get the season behind him. You got, you got the great comeback. That story's done. Now you catch your breath and you start ramping up for next season. And come up with a plan of how to manage your emotions yeah, your your schedule physically, and that is something I've heard from a lot of golfers. The new schedule with the um, PGA Championship moved earlier, right. and they're all bunched up. A lot of golfers have struggled with it that are perfectly healthy. Yeah, so of course it's going to affect somebody like Tiger, who's been through so much. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like this season is pretty much a wrap. Yeah, for Tiger, uh, and I know you can't just shut it down, right? You probably have like sponsor like obligations and stuff like that to be at different events but for all intents and purposes um this then becomes about like next year for tiger and figuring out you know how to pace himself how to make sure he's fit enough to compete if danny and and i'm this is like if it's important enough to him to really go after it like that i really do believe like that quest for another masters was was so it meant so much to him. Like it, you saw it sap so much out of him post masters, right? Like it just, he didn't look like the same guy. Like emotionally, he didn't look like he was as invested in being out there and golfing as he did prior to the masters. Now I could be wrong, but that's what it looked like to me. Um, like, so when you're recalibrating the things this summer, like, Hey man, like, is this grind for me, for, for me? Like, and I don't mean golf in general, right. but I mean like, the full schedule, like the hunting jacks, uh, like yeah, records, majors, like, yep. am I really, like, am I after it still like I was when I was 22 years old? Or does this become more of a, more of a, like, a, a, a sometimey type of thing for me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I know. I, I know something that was really important to him. And he was on the record saying this and you saw the emotions when he hugged his son and his daughter. Yeah. Was he wanted his children to see him win again. Now that you've done that. Like, yeah. was that the goal for the comeback? Like, was that the, was that driving him more than the drive for 18 to catch right. Jack? I don't know. It sure seemed like it. And then it did feel like, Hey, it took so much out of him emotionally. Now you're seeing the physical toll it took on him. Like, I, I, I still think he can challenge Jack if he wants to. I just wonder what if, the plan is. I if. know. And how, but I can't imagine one of the most, the, one of the fiercest competitors we've but, ever look. seen. You if know, it's changed that much. If it's just shut off, he's that complacent. Maybe he had like this is going to s- a lot of money. This so is going to sound corny, like, and I don't know if anyone can relate to this. But when I'm watching sports, I'm watching like your physical, like mm-hmm. for sure, right? Yeah. But I'm watching your face, man. I'm watching your body language. I'm watching what that says to me as much as I'm watching what you're doing with the ball, you know. And I'm telling you, when I watch him on the course, post pre po- tired. Yes, right. pre Masters there was a there was a quest that he was on. You could see it in his eyes. Yeah, you could see it down the stretch last year at the Tour Championship. That's why I was like, he's gonna win this. Yep, like you could see it. It was coming out of him. Like, and then post Masters he looked exhausted. He looked like man, like I'm checking boxes, bro. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a showing up. I'm, I'm supposed. I, to be I, here. That's what I'm supposed to do. And when you're in that space 
for whatever reason, and I'm not, I, this isn't a judgment thing. This is real. Like when you're in that space, then it doesn't mean as much to you. And, and the guys that have the look on their face, they're going to beat you, bud. Like they're going to be, they're hungrier than you. They want it more than you. They're grinding more than you are. Um, and you're not, you know, just showing up being the best on the planet anymore because you're 40 some years old. Like it happens to everybody. So that, that's what I look for. And that's where I judge Tiger. It ain't always about whether like Tiger sprays it half the time anyway. He still wins or he still won. Didn't matter if he was in the fairway or not, but there was a look in his eye. There was a, there was a, there was a, a, a posture about him, like a, a confidence that was exuding from him that I don't see post masters. And that worries me. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, teasing politics. Yeah. Everybody's favorite subject. Um, it is contentious as it gets. We don't do it a lot out here. We don't want to do it a lot. Um, just cause it's so, and it, even if but people don't really know your political views, they make assumptions based on one phrase or one comment that comes out of your mouth. So we're not going to get into who we're uh, backing for the uh, presidential candidate. Not right now anyway. But, um, as a player in the NFL, um, I knew some of my, owner's political views mm-hmm. um some of them agreed with me some of them didn't as a player and maybe it's because of the nature of where i stood in the hierarchy maybe if i was a starter i would have felt differently but there was no way i was gonna rock the boat. <laughs> like i again like and i there's some things politically yeah. too like when i see people and i'm driving and there's like a, a like 20 people and they're out there campaigning for somebody yeah I'm like good for you guys yeah but I could I, not. Your... I'm never that passionate about anything, really, that I would go I out there and sit in the hot sun no. and say, "Vote for so and so." Yeah. Um, Kenny Stills, the Miami Dolphins wide receiver, who has been one of the more outspoken activists in the NFL. He is somebody who kneels during the anthem to yep. get the message out about pr- police brutality and how to make it stop. Um, is not happy with Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins team owner. Once he found out that Ross held a fundraiser luncheon. For Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So he took to Twitter and let everybody know about it. He said, you can't have a nonprofit with this mission statement and then open your doors to Trump. Uh, still tweeted. He was referencing Ross's Rise Foundation because part of the Rise Foundation's mission statement is, quote, a national nonprofit that educates and empowers the sports community to eliminate racial discrimination, champion social justice and improve race relations. <laughs> do we even want to dive into this or is it i i mean i will uh i look i typically am not a political person either um i am aware of what's going on in me in the world um my mother my wife and other people i know are way more into it than i am uh, something that like you know it is what it is for me i i look generally speaking if your owner wanted to hold a rally for, or, or not a rally, but a, 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 a donation or luncheon or whatever, a fundraising luncheon for Donald Trump, like that really shouldn't affect you as a player. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's his right to do that. But when he does have a foundation whose mission statement is what, what you just read, um, I, I do think that there's a little bit of, of, contradictory like behavior there like right you can yeah. be kind of a little hypocritical there yep um and so if kenny stills uh, his role in the mb or in the nflpa uh and in their quest to kind of you know uh bring awareness to the social injustices like by the 
police officers or whatever, if that's, if his job in the NFL is to be a spokesperson for that, I don't have a problem with him saying that, hey man, like that's not a good look. If, if you're doing that on one hand, and then you have a foundation who is saying something that clearly, um, I don't know that we can all agree, but most people can agree. Like, like that doesn't appear to be Donald Trump's mission, right? right? Like, and, but I also see Stephen Ross's side who said, look, I don't always tell him what he wants to hear. Right. Like, we've been friends for a long time. Right. Like, I have no problem voicing my opinion. We agree on some things and we don't agree. On, I got a plenty of friends that I agree with some things they do and I don't agree with other things that they do. That doesn't mean we can't be friends, but I don't have a problem with Kenny Stills having a problem with it. Right. Uh, Stephen Ross did come out, as you mentioned, and, you know, he did try to distance himself from some of those views that Trump holds or the, you know, uh, that people criticize him for. And he says, we strongly disagree on a lot of things. Uh, we agree on some things and said, quote, he's never been bashful about expressing his opinions to the president. So maybe if you're an eternal optimist, you're saying, hey, maybe Stephen Ross can influence Donald Trump for the better. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's I, an I, angle you yeah. can try to take at it. Um, I do think there's a double standard as far as how players are treated when they become political activists and when owners are when they become like, you know, Stephen Ross, is he going to get blasted? He did take some hit uh, criticism for this uh, and some heat for it, but it's something to keep an eye on because could you imagine, and let's just say, let's take the political views out of it. If Kenny Stills got cut, oh, like everyone would be yeah. like, oh, it's because of his, that's why, I don't know. Again, I was in a different spot on the bubble. I would have done nothing to rock the boat. Kenny Stills, a little more, um, security. nah, but I mean, this, look, look, it look. is, man. Do you want to, do you want to kick the hornet's nest of your boss? And yeah, I just, not really, but like, that's a touchy subject. NFL players, they were called sons of bitches by the right, dude. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, they, they, yeah. there, there's a, there's a rhetoric that comes from him sometimes towards people that, that, that is offensive and, and, and people, you know, some people can sit back and take it. Other people can't. Right. They're like, look, man, I'm not, I'm not for that. And so, right. you know, like I'm with Kenny Stills. If you, if you have a problem with that, like now you got to be willing. Yeah. Which he clearly is. You got to be willing for to him. take what comes with that. But I don't have a problem with you saying, Hey man, like you preach one thing and then this is what you're doing. That looks weird to me. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. So Kenny Stills, former coach, Adam Gase, uh, has moved on to the New York Jets. This dude, we already kind of knew he was peculiar. Uh, yeah, the eyes at the opening press conference, the way he would wear his hat down super low when he was doing press conferences after the game. He's a weird How hard it is to do that? I mean, yes. I mean, like, like, uh, yeah, and not blink. Out. Uh, maybe I found out why he yeah. was bugging out. Uh, the dude doesn't sleep at all. He lives on a steady diet of coffee, caffeine, Red Bull, do whatever you want to do it. Yeah, that'll make you bug out a little bit. Um, he is peculiar ryan Tannehill, his former quarterback called him the evil genius said he's always searching for the perfect play that's normal i think a lot of coaches are always doing that um but when you get into the nitty-gritty about him game planning watching film yeah 14 or 16 hours 16 hour days don't seem that long he's quote they seemed it goes by fast yeah right um it's crazy when you look at the life expectancy. Like this has got to be taking years off his life. Like, what, I would say, hey man, have a little bit of balance. I get one to work. Amen. I think I'm a workaholic sometimes, put in long hours, right. but I'm also balanced when I'm gonna spend time with my kids. The craziest story from in here, and his wife Jennifer said he typically gets home around two AM, mm-hmm. turns around and goes back at six AM. So are you even home? Why not just sleep at the office? I if I was his wife, I'd be like, Why are you waking right. me up? I mean, just stay there. <laughs> stay at the office. Right. The best nugget from this story was when his wife gave birth to their child. She had a C-section, so planned operation 10 a.m. They, but she seems like she's been kind of desensitized to all of this, right? Because the way she talks about it is like no big deal. 
So they pulled the baby out of me and said, it's a boy, Jennifer Gay said. They didn't even put my organs back and sew me up before he was like, you good? I said, yeah, I'm good. He said, all right, then I'm out. (laughs) He said, you want to cut the umbilical cord? He said, no, I'm good. And then he was right back at it 2 p.m. later that afternoon, game planning again. That's not healthy. That's not. That cannot be good. And I know his wife sounds like she's not very, you know, hey, she's kind of desensitized to it. I want, no, no, that's not exactly a healthy relationship, or at least it doesn't appear that way. All right, I got another one for you. This, this is just, I mean, I, this is really interesting stuff. It says, on his computer, he has a file for every day he has been a coach. Right? It's a long in, time. It's a long time. In each file is what he did that day and how it worked out. There, are, there also is a file for every opponent for every year. And then he has a master folder for each year, which keeps track of needed adjustments. Like, my man is, like, sounds as, as anal and as particular... Um, as you can get. Hey, I guess the jury is still out on what Adam Gase is going to be as, as a head coach. Yeah. Right? Clearly. My money is not. I would say if I was going to bet one way or another, is he going to be a success with the Jets or is he going to be gone in three years? I would probably lean toward gone in three years. Right. You have to be a people person to be a coach. So here's where I'm going with this. This is this is what he can do. Right. Like he's brilliant, apparently. Yeah. In what he does. Yeah. And when you're selling like a uh, uh, potential employer on that and you've got this wealth of knowledge and every question they ask you've got a buttoned up tight answer as to how you're going to affect change in that area and how I'm going to get you from point A to point B like that could be an impressive thing it can get you hired that you then have to be a people person though Danny to your point right. guys like this are more built for behind the scenes grunt work like assistant type of jobs. Like when, when, when the head is the people person and he's keeping people together and he's got the rapport and the cachet and he's got a little bit of swag and people respond to him and they want to follow and it's not abrasive. Guys like that are take, they tend to be abrasive. They tend to be like my way or the highway because they're really anal about stuff and that rubs people the wrong way. So those guys are, are more built for behind the scenes in my opinion. He might wind up being a great coach, but it's not surprising to me that he would continue to get hired because he's so smart. And when you're sitting there interviewing people, you want answers yeah. as the as the person that's looking for the employee. You want answers to these problems. He's generally got them. It's just whether he can execute them or not. I get that Bill Belichick is cutthroat as well. He's probably not the most personable person out there. But I I bet he's got more personality than, than you he think. leads on. Well, I think yep. so too. Nick Saban as yep. well. Um, but also there's some fact where you've got to get players to want to play for you, right? You know, like they want to succeed for you. And granted, they're always playing for themselves for a paycheck. I get that too. But those two are, those two are older though, Danny. Yeah. Like they're older dudes, right? Like we tend to forgive a little grumpiness. From and they an both had dude. a lot of success. And, well, that changed a lot of respect, right? But you're talking about a young dude. Ain't never won nothing. Looks probably younger than half the dudes in the locker room. Right. And, and, and if you treat your wife that cutthroat, like, and I'm not, I'm not joking. Like the way yeah. he treated and talked to her in one of the most momentous, and I am, I am okay if, if dads skip their childbirth right. for a game. Like, so I'm pretty open to, Hey, you don't have to be there, but if you are there, like at least be show there. a little more. Yeah, yeah there. exactly. Um, if he's that cutthroat with them, imagine what he's going to be like if a player, you know, throws an interception or yeah. if they, you know, at times maybe they need encouragement. It doesn't sound like he's there emotionally for anybody, neither family members or his players. And sometimes players do need emotional needs that like met, you know, they sure. need to be encouraged. They need to be motivated a certain way. And yes, there's a time when they need to be chewed out. 
but there was no love loss with several of his players in the Miami Dolphins, and he said it's no big deal. Uh, you know, referencing Jarvis Landry, Jordan Phillips, Jay Ajahi, yeah. all kind of gloating over him being fired. He seemed to downplay it. Adam Gates said, "Quote: Fifteen years and only three guys are bitching about it. I'll take that." Well, it's not really fifteen years though. Right, right. it was only it one was or only, two. Right, and, yeah. And you were you've been in another capacity. Like those personalities, while in one, like wearing one hat, they're fully tolerable. No one's got a problem. It works for the organization. You change his hat into something that people have to deal with on a day to day, and it could be a train wreck. Do you know what I mean? Like every personality isn't built to be a head coach. That's just facts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when Peyton Manning. Was waiting for him, uh, in meetings after this baby was delivered. It was 2 p.m. Uh, Manning was shocked to see him come back to the meeting room and Peyton said, you gotta be kidding me. Didn't your wife just have a baby two hours ago? And he said, yeah, but did you really think I was going to let you win this one <laughs> without me? So <laughs> interesting there from Adam Gase. You, bro. A little balance, man. Just get a little balance, coach. It'll do your uh, life a lot better. Sleep, dude. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, Tiger Woods, just a quick update on his uh, scorecard. Not the best round that he's had. Um, and recently, it's just been kind of falling, tapering off. Where's he at, bro? Give it bit. to me straight. Uh, so he's through, what is that, 12 over. to 11? Uh, three over. Nothing great. You know, had a very bumpy up and down, mostly down yeah. front nine, 39. Yeah. Four over on the front, and then birdied his... 10th hole, which was number one as he started on the back. Right. So we'll keep you posted on it, but I would not, I'm usually optimistic. Nah. I don't know, it doesn't look good for his uh, chances for the weekend. The leaderboard as it's unfolded, oh. Roy Merritt going low with a 7 under. See, that's the other thing. You see some low numbers. Kisner's right. at 5 under. John Rahm at 5 under. You see guys going low and you're like, oh, this, the course is gettable. Yes, and you're getting roasted and, by it. Exactly. You're not even around even par. That's the thing that's a little bit concerning there. So we'll keep you updated on that. Deck, Oppy Bonrot. Yeah, Oppy Bonrot. Yeah, there you go. You know that we walked by him in the, yeah, the parking lot. Definitely. You can see his physique. Yes, definitely. It doesn't exactly look like some of the other trends now where everybody's all chiseled. Right. Uh, definitely a little bit different. <laughs> and he's a pretty funny character too. I was reading an article about him in the Golf Digest. That was pretty good. Uh, and Tiger, just in my ear, Coca there. Bogey, another well, bogey, so he's back to four over, so. <laughs> Let's just break 80, Tiger. Let's keep it under, <laughs> keep it under 80 on this round. Um, with NBA offseason and swing, I thought this was interesting. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on yeah. this, how commonplace this is. So LeBron James is reportedly organizing a team minicamp, uh, to be held in Vegas prior to the start of training camp. That's according to stadium Sham Serenia. Uh, he's hoping the team will bond, bond and build chemistry by getting together a bit early. Is this something you experienced? Yeah. It is. So it's fairly common practice. Mm -hmm. And was it always organized by like the alpha, like the one? Uh, or could it have been somebody who was more of a veteran? Like yeah. how, how does it work? The planning of this? Did you well, ever plan one? Uh, yeah. The last time around, we never got to it, but Al Jefferson and I, uh, and Paul Millsap were planning one for our Utah Jazz team. I had just signed to go back to Utah and we were in the middle of a lockout. So, you know, I was playing with the idea of bringing everybody down to IMG and having us, like, work out at IMG. I had a guy there um, because, you know, we were going to get off to a quick start mm -hmm. having been in a lockout. And we actually thought we had a pretty good – because Darren Williams was still on that team and stuff like that. So, usually it's your it's your guy, um, but it can be a vet. It can be, you know, whoever takes it upon themselves to plan something like that. And generally speaking, guys are in. You know, everyone – Going into the season, like you know this, we all everybody's trying to win. Like you want to give yourself the best opportunity to do that, um, and especially if you're in a, you know, a heightened sense of win now um, uh, territory like the Lakers are. I I wish I was there. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, like, like 
Oh, those this are, isn't going to be doing you, drills like they're going to Vegas. No, dog, you're, you're, you're kicking you go it. Somewhere where there's good weather and you can have fun at night. You can hang out. It is great for bonding. Like this is where you build. You know, earlier in the show, we we're talking about the Warriors family atmosphere. This is how you build that. Absolutely. You know, because it's low stress. You don't have to worry about coaches hovering over you. They're not going to be chewing you out. Right. And you're going to be like, where are we going tonight? Correct. Where are we going? <laughs> Where's dinner? Where are we going after that? Well, let's push the workouts back by like three <laughs> yes. hours tomorrow morning. There's exactly. nobody holding you to the schedule. It's great. Exactly. Uh, they're not the only team that's considering. This one would probably was more shocking because, of course, I picture LeBron as a guy who is that leader, who is going to foster that environment. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard, more of an in- introvert. You yeah. know, you don't see him ever address the media. Apparently, he's doing the same thing with his new teammates with the Clippers. Probably even more both these teams because they have so much turnover, so many new faces. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is working to form a, a mini camp in Miami. A oh, word. That is interesting. Cause can we get in on that? Can we do it? Come get in on, on. <laughs> let's go. Let's I actually, hey, hey, we might be able to. My man Trent See? Redding. See? Um, That's what I'm talking about. One of the assist- Hook it up. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Pitching is like your high school he team. Like you yesterday. want exposure. Um, <laughs> while LeBron is a culture driver, like yeah. he is, like he drives culture. Um, and he's setting the tone. You're, you're like, Kawhi is a bit introverted. That's interesting that I wonder if Doc, George or, well, I wonder if somebody from from the organization said, "Hey, I need you to do this. Let's get yeah. this cracking." Yeah, said, yeah, "Hey, this is a good idea. This is what a lot of guys are doing." Yeah, um, I feel like that's what happened with Ben Roethlisberger when he had guys down to his lake house yeah. this off season and hadn't happened. Now he used to do it. Right. I have a feeling that Kevin Colbert, their GM, maybe it was Tomlin, somebody came over and said, "Hey, you got to build up a little more goodwill, good faith between your guys. You know, like you got to get your guys." Right. Now, what do you do? What do you think LeBron does if somebody says, "Ah, I got." I got plans. I'll see you at camp. Um, Does he hold it against him, or is it cool? I uh, know. Yeah, well, that gets <laughs> you're going to come. You're going to go to camp. You're going to go to camp. Because my last couple weeks, you're going to be doing this all. <laughs> you're going to be watching your bag, dog. Not getting that rocket. <laughs> Two minutes, like a last minute <laughs> shot situation. He's going to look the other way because that'd be an interesting dynamic to have to say no to LeBron. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So Kirk Cousins has a problem on his hands, and you may laugh at it. You might say it's not that like big literally, of a deal. Yeah, yeah, he literally has a problem on it. So he has a problem with his new center's new center, the sweat. Um, he was talking about Gra- uh, Garrett Bradbury's sweat problem. He said, "I'm going to take it back again because he has him for rookies. He's a rookie, so he has him there for the preseason." Uh, Kirk Cousins said, "I'm going to take it back to how much he sweats. He promises it's not a problem in games." But it remains to be seen because his shorts today were soaked. He says it's not a problem on game day. So the moment of truth, Friday night. That is disgusting, bro. That okay. is undercarriage sweat, man. That is... It is. I don't know uh, what I'm allowed to say on CBS, but that it's, that's undercarriage sweat, man. All right. So that's I had gross. a similar issue that might be grosser. Oh, bro. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Oh. Do you want to hear it on the Canel and Bell podcast or not? I mean, because I don't know if you want to yeah, go there. Go, go for it. Uh, we had a rookie center from Wisconsin. His name was Derek Engler. Okay. Um, Names and all, huh? Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'll call him out. He actually does some broadcasting still in Madison, right. Wisconsin. Right. Great dude. Nice guy. Um, we started calling him Pigpen because he had to clean it up a little bit. So I started noticing in practice, we'd go out there. I always showered before practice. Like I'd yeah. take a hot tub, get warmed up, and then I'd finish it with a shower yeah. and then get ready. So I'm really clean yeah, in practice, yeah. which doesn't make a lot of sense because you end up getting sense, dirty yeah. and then you shower again after. Um, so I know I smell pretty good. And you know what else most quarterbacks <laughs> like to do? You lick your fingers. Oh, bro. <laughs> right? Because you got to get a good grip, right? So at some point, I'm making a lot of gestures towards my face. And every time I'm getting this whiff, I'm like, it kind of smells 
what is that smell? And sure enough, I smell my hand. <laughs> it smells Bro, like my eyes are it warm. smells like Derek English crack. Is what it <laughs> smells like, which is not the best smell. So I had to sit him down with the other quarterbacks. Thankfully, where everybody's on the same page because they started noticing some of it too. And he was running with the first team, God. and so I'm getting a lot of reps up in his crack, which doesn't smell exactly that great. So we're like, "Hey, man, you know, it's kind of an awkward conversation. Like, hey, are you are you?" Are you wiping correctly? Oh, bro, are what are you, you talking? Are you taking oh, care of things? What did he say? So he was like, he was sheepish. He's like, hey, man, I do. I wipe. Like, I do everything right. So I got him like a case this is this, of baby powder and was like, here, got him extra toilet paper, got wipes. him some wet wipes, wet wipes and all of it. And it was just somebody who kind of had the sweaty butt like going. It helped a little bit, but ultimately it never truly ran away. That's why we kept calling him Big Pat. You had that man's ass yes. on your hand. Oh, and it was like, like, you should have seen me after practice in the shower. I'd have like the, like, just like this God. for a half an hour trying to get it off my hands. It was awful. So I totally understand where Kirk Cousins is coming from. But the issue for him, I'll trade sweat any day than what I was dealing with. Yeah, that's Which filth. were sloppy that's, leftovers that's, or whatever it was. filthy. So yeah, now that we've grossed you out for your... Is it, is it, alright, all jokes aside, that was, dis- that was disgusting. Yeah. I did not want to hear that. Um, yeah. If, if he's super sweaty, like that. Oh yeah, cause what happens is the ball gets wet. Right. And there's like, you can throw in wind, you can throw in snow, cause it's a little bit drier, but when there is a little bit of moisture on the football, it slips and yeah. all of a sudden your accuracy is completely thrown off. Sometimes you'll air airmail it way over the guy. Sometimes you really want to put it in a tight window. You gotta be, in some of its confidence. Yeah. Like, you know, it's uh oh, this is a wet ball. Where is this going? Right. It absolutely is an issue. But I would tell him, it's probably when he says his shorts were wet, they're probably not in full pads. Yeah. Usually when you're in full pads, you're wearing like the under tights. Soak up some of it. You know, you've it. got something yeah. else in there and you know, you can, again, baby powder, whatever tricks you have to use, you go ahead with those. I don't know if you remember Dan Marino. He was because he had a big towel on the front on his right. own waist. But then a lot of times, if you see a center, they're wearing one in the back of yep. theirs, and you kind of wipe and then flip it over. Yep. Sometimes that's because the center's sweating so much. You right, try right, to right. do it there, too. Um, so, yeah, Kirk Cousins, get it straightened up. Get it dried up there, uh, Garrett Bradbury. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is not afraid to trash talk. It's been well-documented, as his article in GQ uh, last year really focused on. But even before that, everybody's known he's a trash talker. He said he's taken it to another level, and he did in college. He said... Quote, I was playing a big receiver at whatever school. I would look up his Instagram and slide into his girlfriend's DMs before the wow. game. People got hot about that. Wow. I'll say what I got to the league, though. I stopped that because now people got wives and stuff. <laughs> somebody <laughs> would get shot over talking about somebody's wives. So good for him for at least recognizing, uh-oh, maybe this is something I should stop doing at this level. Because he is right. Guys are yeah. dealing – you're dealing with families. And funny, others. but childish. Yeah, funny, it is but hilarious. childish. You in don't want to be dealing with funny. grown men, the yeah, wives and significant others. Don't. It is hilarious in high school, though. I mean, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. That, yeah, that's funny. That one. And you got to have some serious cojones to do that, yeah. like to go after dudes. And that, but, again, in high school, he's probably dominating everybody. That's a, that's you know, that's a wild a boy. He's a five star. Yeah. yeah, he absolutely is. Wild boy. Um Dabo Sweeney is one of my favorite coaches in college football. Uh, I think he compares the most to Bobby Bowden, who I knew, who, right. you know, is lovable guy. I think he cares about his players. Um, I think he tries to do things the right way, but he did something this week that I thought was really petty. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so Kelly Bryant last year was his starting quarterback entering the season. He's competing with Trevor Lawrence. After four games, he says, you know what? Torch I'm going to take passing. advantage of this new – oh, yeah, Dabo Sweeney says, torch is passed. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence yes. after the fourth game. Kelly Bryant looks at it and says, four games, I can still transfer, keep my eligibility, not use this year, transfer somewhere else and go start my last year of college. So he moves on. You could tell at the time that Dabo wasn't too thrilled about it. But now we find out just how upset Dabo Sweeney was about it when he did not give Kelly Bryant a national championship ring. So petty. I thought this was really petty. Like, what's the big deal? He helped you win a quarter of the games of the season. So what he left? And I I didn't love it at the time. I felt like it was a more selfish decision. But so what? He still helped you. No, no, no. Not only last year. No, 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 no. You know what the selfish decision was? What? Benching him for Kelly, for Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's a self-serving decision. Yeah. Coach. So, like, I bet that Kelly Bryant wouldn't have transferred had he continued to play right. the starter, right? You right. made the self-serving decision to move Trevor Lawrence in. That's your right. But now a kid has to do what's best for him, right? Like if he has an opportunity to play another year because he's only played four games. I mean, you started those dominoes falling, I guess would be my point, if you were Dabo Sweeney. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it just it seems so petty because now we are, and now, you know, and I sent out a tweet about this this morning, and I got Clemson fans all mad at me. They're insulting Kelly Bryant. Hey, he quit on his team. You got people saying, well, when I quit my job, I didn't get an end-of-year bonus from my former employer. And it's just such a unique situation. You can't compare this to a workplace environment. He was on the team. He helped him win four games. Yeah. And, yes, he left, but he still helped you achieve a portion of your goal. We saw David Blatt, who, again, he was fired, but he got a championship ring for the Cleveland sure. Cavaliers. Like you, you, you poured blood, sweat, and tears into offseason. Like, you've pushed uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Like, there are any number of reasons that you're invested in that team's championship. Do you know what I mean? And, again, like – why do we, why are we all pro like grown man making a decision that serves him and we're anti kid making a decision that could help set him up for the rest of his life? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't understand why, like, as a society, we're always going to be like, yeah, it's Dabo. Like, dude, if a kid, Dabo makes millions and millions and millions oh, right. of dollars. Dabo made a call. Million. He made a call. Yep. Right. And then the kid acted accordingly and had to make a call for his future. I got no beef with that. Right. Don't be petty on the back end if you're the man making $90 million. 93. Uh, $93 million. Dabo Sweeney just got a new deal. Uh, his quote was, he wasn't on the team. You got to be on the team to get a ring. I love Kelly and appreciate what he did for us, but he decided no, you to move on. No, you don't. You know how many times they've spoken since he left? No, you don't. Zero. No, you Zero. Don't. don't say that. Uh, he said, hopefully we'll be able to have a visit and sit down and have a good conversation. Stop lying. I know. Stop. It just seems like, I mean, why not? And he, he clearly is. Again, I think it's totally petty that he's doing this. The sad part about this, to me, there could have been a solution. Now, I don't know Kelly Bryant's minds, uh, Kelly Bryant's mindset last year. But you could have been honest with him, started Trevor Lawrence from the start, but you want to protect your own butt and take the safe play and kind of ease in Trevor Lawrence. But you could have said, hey, instead of transferring halfway through the year, why don't you stick around as the backup, but we'll protect you. We won't play you unless Trevor Lawrence gets a season-ending injury. Right. And then you can help us win the championship. You can stay here. You can still transfer and go to Missouri or yeah. wherever else you want to go, and there's no love loss between anybody. Now, right. maybe that was discussed, and Kelly Bryant's like, no, I'm either a starter or I'm out of here. 
then I have no problem with him making that decision. But it could have been handled better, I think, by all parts last year. Yeah, that's a rational way to approach that. Like, and and you know, I you have some inside source. Like, find out if that right. I'll try to get to work on it. You know what else we got? We got breaking news out of the NFL. The Browns have traded Duke Johnson. Remember, he wanted out. Baker Mayfield. Where's Duke going? That's a Miami kid. Houston Texans. Hey yo, a good shot uh, for Deshaun Watson. We'll get you covered on that and everything right here next on CBS Sports HQ.